afternoon. It's another episode of Stoke Meter. And my goodness, we have two fabulous guests. Now, I know I say fabulous and all this good stuff over and over again, but man, I, I get giddy when we talk about the folks that have served our country. And uh, in this case, we have Ter Dr. Teresa Larson. And Dr. Teresa Larson is a former military, a Marine, a Marine. You were actually a commander too, right? I was a platoon commander, yes. Oh my goodness, that's so <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. It's so it is. It is actually pretty fun as a platoon commander. I think as you get more in the ranks, well, there's more admin involved, but I enjoyed being a platoon commander, yes. That is so awesome. And then we also have John McCaskill. And if I said your name wrong, you can beat me. I, no, right you did. <laughs> you did. You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> but John is a retired Navy SEAL commander, and uh, and both Teresa and John have been doing some amazing work in their different organizations, and I don't want to take the thunder on that one. And I'm just wondering if you folks can both tell us what you folks are doing right now before we actually delve into the conversation. So, Teresa, I want to, I want to go to you first. And, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I was having a conversation with Skelly back here earlier about this <laughs> podcast and what we'd share. But he's my sidekick, um, cowboy, Wonder Woman cape on, getting ready for Halloween. Um, anyway, yeah, we, so I run a company called Movement RX and uh, two small children. And I run it with my husband, who really does a good majority of the work, to be honest. He makes things run. But we've been running our company for some time now. And um, just in the last, you know, few years, probably pre-pandemic to the pandemic, we've um, wanted to provide emotional and physical health programs. So we, not just the physical, because I'm a doctor of physical therapy, we wanted to make sure we involve the emotional side. And I just so happened to practice mindfulness and meditation myself. And it, it was really important to me. And I met John just through networking and it was like okay this is just we've got to work together and provide these physical and emotional healing programs to people so that's what we do is we have these experiences and in-person experiences that we provide organizations oh that's fantastic and john how about you uh well first off maurice i love your energy yeah <laughs> it's just, it, it, i like I came into this call a little tired and now I'm energized. So thank you for sharing your energy with me. And, and uh, I'm honored to be here with you and Gary today. Um, as far as what I do, uh, a lot of the work that I do is with Teresa, as she mentioned. Uh, I have a, a consulting company and it's not your consulting company in the typical sense of the word. I bring mindfulness and meditation to corporate teams and really anyone else who I believe needs it, which in all honesty, is everyone. Um, but mindfulness and meditation, that's what uh, Teresa and I bring to the table as well. So, or rather, I bring to Teresa and our work that we bring to, that we do together while wow, I'm stumbling over my words today. I'm, I'm so jazzed now. I'm giddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Teresa, we do movement and mindfulness. So, the M2 experience, if you will. And I, I do that under her company, Movement RX, and we do that for first responders, corporate teams, veterans. Those those are kind of our primary audiences. And uh, it's it's been phenomenal, very rewarding. 
and in a uh, in a weird way, self indulgent. Like it's so <laughs> it's so rewarding. Teresa and I walk away from these things, um, <laughs> feeling very good about ourselves, but also completely exhausted. So it's uh, it's kind of this fun <laughs> kind of back and forth. So that's uh, that's what I do. And then I run a podcast podcast, Men Talking Mindfulness. I don't know if you can see that on my hat, MTM. Uh, and I would do that with a, a good buddy of mine and Teresa's, Will Schneider. And we recently, all three of us just came together to do the Men Talking Mindfulness and Movement RX Mindfulness Adventure Retreat, our first one out in Durango where Teresa lives. And we're going to be doing those again in the future in Durango. And we look to have it in other places across the country as well. But those are basically, as as Teresa likes to say, or Movement RX says, that we like to help people live a lifetime of physical and emotional freedom. You know, when you, a, oh, yeah, go ahead, Gary. Go I, ahead. I, have a, I, got I, you. I have a quick question. So, whenever something like this happens, people are seeing a need, and so if you could kind of guide us through, at what point, what was happening, how long ago did you guys look out and say? we need to step in and we need to do something. Well, I mean, <laughs> so personally, I think it's got to start from within. You're, I mean, so I uh, started Movement RX nine years ago now, right after mm -hmm. I got married. Um, I said, peace out to the regular, you know, PT world. <laughs> it was like, I'm going rogue. <laughs> and, but with that, you know, starting a business, it's not like everything's all sunshine and rainbows, you know, it's hard. And I dealt with depression and anxiety and I lost my father, you know, probably a few years into starting my business and just needed some support in my life outside of just talk therapy. So a Marine friend of mine introduced me to a biofeedback mindfulness meditation coach who I started to work with years ago. And, um, and it was really powerful for me because being a physical person, it like made me stop and ground myself and physically work on the single task of your breath or one thing at a time, which was really hard. And believe me, it's hard for anyone, but it's very hard to this day. I'm, I'm, I would still consider myself a novice, but um, yeah, I think with that realization I needed in my own life and then kind of diving, still working on my business and it getting better, there still was this missing thing that I felt with what we were providing organizations. It was always like one-sided, just the physical. And I always knew the mind and body go together, but I didn't necessarily want to be the, you know, teaching mindfulness meditation myself because I was, that's for me, but I wanted someone else who was an expert in it to do it. And so it just so happened, I started to post about, you know, mindfulness and meditation and my, my experience with it. And John, that's how John and I connected, but it wasn't until really the pandemic when organizations were like, Oh shoot, we need an emotional piece to this. Yeah. And that's, that's really when it started to open up for both of our work really. Yeah. I've got to ask though, too, when you think of mindfulness, um, and just, just from the construct of where you folks were, we let, let's face it. You were in some pretty diehard circumstances. <laughs> and, and when you think of mindfulness and meditation, it's almost an oxymoron where <laughs> the world that you folks came in from. And how, how did you make that transition? Because here you have to have this tough persona and rightly so, but the fact of the matter is, um, 
when you are meditative, when you are mindful, it's amazing the peace that could uh, that really transcends where you're going through. I just I just watched a show uh, where it was a National Geographic show where they saved the 13 kids in 13 that. lives. Yes, 13 lives. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm blown away. And when, when the divers got out there, one of the first thing they said is our coach had us meditate. Right. (laughs) That was, what was that? Was that already almost two weeks that they found him later? Yeah. I don't know how long it was, but I I know that, that, that coach, he was beating himself up for having the kids down there. And basically he ended up saving their lives through, I mean, or at least one of the aspects of saving their lives. And that was through meditation and controlling their breathing and, yeah. and controlling their minds. It was absolutely incredible story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a while. It was a while. It, it was it, a yeah. good long time. I, I mean, I couldn't yeah. believe it. I, I wouldn't have lasted three days in that dark. Yeah. <laughs> no but so how do you overcome a person's defenses when you're saying, you know what, have you ever given this a consideration? And, 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 and this is how it worked, worked for me, but ex- explain how that, that happens. There has to be some kind of great connection there. It's obvious that you folks have that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to give away our secret sauce, but super secret. That's right. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a little paprika. That's all it is. No, uh, so, um, the funny thing is I was that, that way. Um, when I, I, similar to Teresa, I struggled with my own battles of, of anxiety and stress. And, um, when I had a counselor recommend mindfulness and meditation to me, I, I essentially laughed in his face and, <laughs> and then he was very patient with me first of all. And then he tried to show me that I could use it as a performance enhancement. And that was almost the selling point to me initially, and in using it, I noticed that my performance improved mentally and physically, personally and professionally. And the side effects, quote unquote, were that I was able to deal with stress differently. I was able to process stress differently and, and anxiety differently and depression differently and look at myself as a human being and not define myself by those traits, not say I am a stressed person. I am an anxious person. I am a depressed person. I noticed that those were things that came into my life. I processed them and got onto the other side of them. And now what I do or what we do is quite, quite often. Yes. You mentioned the fact that we, we come from a different background than most people who teach these things. Um, I think that opens the doors that normally wouldn't open to what it is we're teaching, but then, then it's on us to open the minds, right? So we, we get into the corporate teams, but when we start with the corporate teams, there's a lot of people that sit there like this with their arms crossed and and they, and they stare at us like, Oh, great. What is this all about? We have to be here. I'm only here because I have to be here. But then by the end, you know, the shoulders drop and the facial expressions light up and they start smiling. And I think that has to do with the, the opening the minds piece. And we do that through much like that counselor did is we introduce the science behind it. It's not this woo woo weirdo stuff that many of us, including myself, you, how I used to look at it. It's not that woo-woo weirdo, st- weirdo stuff that it, uh, everyone thinks it is. When we show the science as to why it works physiologically in your brain, when Teresa talks about down-regulating the nervous system through what she teaches, the movement side, and then people can see, oh, now I see why these two are working together. 
to teach the mindfulness and the movement. Oh, the body and the mind heal one another. Oh, they work together. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then there's like this kind of, they let the guard down and it normally really opens up their, their minds, but also up the, you know, and this is going to sound <laughs> woo woo, but it opens up their hearts to take in the, the healing effects of what it is we're teaching. Oh, that is that, that hits me right here. Cause I, I was, uh, in my regular life before I went off on my own, I was a leadership development consultant and, and learning development. So I know that, that feeling very well. <laughs> the only difference is you could have kicked their butts, but uh, <laughs> you just went physically dominated. But that you put that aside, and and it's amazing to see the transition that you you yourself made. It's been it, it's been really neat to learn about you too, because there's so many things that you you've overcome. And Teresa, you mentioned actually it, it's it's just flat big on your your. Uh, on your website, it says new normal in your life. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is such a huge, that's, that's a huge realization. We were, do, you, do either of you know Pam Zimbic by chance? So no. Pam Zimbic, her husband, Doug Zimbic, uh, they call him the lion of Fallujah. He was, he, he was killed oh, yeah. In, yeah. in that. And what she said um, was when she was going through processing and, and Gary interject anytime I'm missing the point here, but she said that when I lost my husband, I just went into this thing. I worked harder. I became the best salesman. I ran a marathon. Mm-hmm. I didn't eat and just bam, 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 bam. And until she had a complete breakdown and it was this process of what she then learned was an identity reconstruction. Uh, we, we, she took away everything. It, it, it took away everything that she knew and identified with, and it was this identity reconstruction. And so when you look at the, when, uh, Teresa, when I read that new normal in your life, it was so, um, impactful just because in many of our guests we've seen, there is a new normal. They didn't realize that there was a normal be beyond that other normal. And how do you help people realize that? And, and get to that. So you have the mindfulness and meditation, but how do you get there, man? Just that that's a tough procedure to get to. I don't know if you even call it a procedure. Well, <laughs> it sounds yeah, like it's a surgical it's a procedure. <laughs> a process. There you go. I think that's the so you kind of if you can, you know, relate it to the sales process, if you will. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there's a hundred steps that takes right? To, to help someone understand what they need or whatever. I don't even sales process probably isn't the best way. just spectrum, right? Like everyone's at a different phase of their life. And so, you know, for me, I knew it was almost like I, I hit, my back was against the wall when I realized I really need something to help me calm, find calm in the midst of these storms I feel like are happening so often. And so I sought out help and look, asked my friends, like, what do you think? And what would you do? And people who were involved in their own self-care, because you have to consider the source, the feedback you get, right? Who are you asking for help? If you're asking someone who doesn't necessarily respect the relationships they're in or abuses relationships, like that's maybe not the person to ask versus someone who's like actively seeking help and working on themselves. So, you know, I knew 
that when I, I would, I, I was opened to try. And I think that's really important for people. John talks about this a lot in his talks, like fixed versus growth mindset. Mm-hmm. You have to have a, a growth mindset. If you're fixed and you think you got it all and you've tried everything, well, okay, then there's not much we can do for you until you have a growth mindset and say, you know what? I'm willing to get better. And you got to get beyond like surface level with people mm-hmm. um, when you're talking about this stuff, because you know, me just saying you need to be more physically fit, or I'd love to improve your range of motion. That could be great for someone who's improved, trying to improve their performance in the gym or in sport. But when you're trying to get to a healing level, it's like, why is this actually so important for you to get better? You know, like, is it because you want to have a better relationship with your kids and your wife? Is it because you just want to live a longer life and you want to have happier days? Like you got to dig in to the gut reason of why people want or need to get better. And they've got to tell you that, right? Like they, you all, we all have to express that. And maybe, you know, John and I are kind of the facilitators of those questions of look, look at your life. Like, what do you want? What do you need? And here are some tools but it could go one ear out the other if you're not open-minded or have a growth mindset. And so, you know, very often we always get really great feedback, right? But there's always a few that are like, yeah, whatever. Um, But for the most part, people are like, you opened my eyes to this new way of thinking or being. And it doesn't, it always helps, you know, when it comes to providing the science like the science the facts right what are the facts behind this work too it's like look we know that happiness happiness comes from being present in your life Mm -hmm. and we know that it comes from having good support system and being able to be present with those you love and yourself uh so do you want that yes or no you know it's like and go from there man you just hit it right on the the head you just made, I just got in Hawaii without chicken skin. <laughs> well, I <laughs> because Skelly has goosebumps too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been talking about it because when you you just simplified it so well. Be present to be happy. You have to be present, and it's amazing. I look at everything that I've ever gone through when I was unhappy. I was trying to change things that I couldn't, whether in the past or maybe worrying too much about the future be present. That was, that was deep. (laughs) It's, you know, I mean, there's like so many wonderful things about that, you know, that you can dig in like, and, and John and I have spoken about this as friends and with our people we work with. It's like the past is in the past and it can get you down, but it doesn't have to right? It can be, you can change the story you tell yourself about your past, but it doesn't have to dictate the now or the future. And I consistently have to remind myself of that. So that's just like one principle that practicing being in the present can do. But then also just the fact that when you do, we are in the present, like just talking to you here now versus thinking of my grocery list or what I'm going to do with my kids later, right? Mm -hmm. I feel better. I feel, I feel more physiologically calm. Yeah. So and I'm enjoying this conversation versus being like, okay, when's this going to end? <laughs> well, I, I'm not thinking that. I'm actually really enjoying this. <laughs> John, you said something a little earlier, kind of like the kind of where you started with your clientele, so to speak. And 
this hits really, really close to home with me with the, the pandemic. You were talking about first responders. You were talking about EMS. You were talking about military, that type of thing. Um, I was a manager of an emergency department um, during during the, the pandemic. The thing that, that I saw on the backside was this was one of the first events that on a, on a big scale affected everyone and knocked everybody down. People that, that typically pride themselves on being able to handle everything or be strong or, you know, buck up, you can get through this. Right. We're just falling left and right. And we're still seeing that. And I'm just wondering from your guys' perspective, how, how you've seen that kind of unfold and where are we at? in trying to help these people? As far as answering that, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was a great the latter, question. The, the latter question, uh, you know, where, we're, where, where are we with, with helping these folks? Um, there's definitely progress being made. What I, what I like to see is that a lot of leaders are stepping up to the plate and saying, you know what? I need help helping my people, right? Yeah. Uh, there's there's that buck up and, and get through this mentality that's been something in the past where leaders are like, hey, you know, suck it up, buttercup, you can get through this and we have to get through this, you have to get through this or else. Now uh, there's, there's the mentality, oh, you know what? I, as a leader, um, am struggling and I know that my people are struggling and I, I need to bring in I need to bring in professional help, mm -hmm. um, whether that is, you know, myself and Teresa and what it is we teach, whether it's psychologist, whether it's, uh, you know, taking a, you know, a retreat or a time off there, there's a realization amongst leaders that their people need the, the time, the tools and the help, which is, which is great. As far as the metrics, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you the exact metrics on where we are with that, but it's definitely, there's, there is a, um, society-wide, maybe even global-wide uh, realization that um, we can't do this on our own, right? Um, and whether that's as a leader or whether it's a, as a member of, of, a, of an organization, we are all in this together and we need to lean on one another at different times. And that's, that's huge. Um, so there's definitely a, a change in mentality there. Um, as far as what it is that, that, that we do with that, uh, you know, it, it comes again, full circle to the, the science behind it and explaining that science and having people understand that this is not just woo-woo. It is in fact uh, based in and supported by science. And we can show the metrics just in the classes that we've done, right? Mm -hmm. Teresa does an assessment at the front and the back and she shows, okay, well, you, you feel your energy has changed because you've been practicing mindfulness. You feel your mobility has changed because you've been practicing what I teach with the the, the lacrosse balls and the stretches and the, the the movements that I show you that so we've seen that there is in fact changes and we can show that to the corporate teams hey if we do you know a, a three hour workshop with your team and they actually do what we teach now I mean you know <laughs> there's a lot that's on them still right yeah. it's sure. still on them we're not coming in there and doing it all for them they have to actually do the work whether that's the meditation or the movement. But once they do, they see a dramatic increase in their energy. They see an increase in their uh, their mobility, a decrease in their pain, and that's mm -hmm. where uh, you know that's that's great. And now there's there's corporate leaders that are concerned about the bottom line, and we were like, okay, well, if you are able to do this, then your bottom line can increase. But that's not where, what we're here about. We're here about changing people's lives for the better, whether that's 
you know, whether that affects the bottom line or not, most of the time it does in a positive way, but that's not why we're there. We're there to help their people, help their people live happier, healthier lives, that lifetime of physical and emotional freedom. Oh, well, I, I absolutely have a hundred percent respect when I popped open your website. And one of the first things that it said was take care of self, mm -hmm. you know, especially as a leader, yes. it, what it reminds me of is, you know, when you're flying somewhere and they talk about the oxygen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but Teresa can tell oxygen. you. Yeah, yeah, take, that, take that care of yours first. Right. When I talk about that, that's the very picture that I have up is the is the flight attendant with the oxygen mask. I mean, because and, and Teresa can talk about this, too. You know, in the core, uh, it, it, they, they pride themselves in taking care of their people, which is very important. As a leader, you absolutely need to take care of your people. Um, but if you're not taking care of yourself, then you can't take care of your people. Yeah. Right. And Teresa and I are both parents of young children. And and, uh, you know, there's times when as an entrepreneur, there's a desire to, you know, get up and grind, 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 and just grind yourself into the ground. And Teresa and I are, are we're, we're battle buddies. We check in on one another. We're like, Hey, and she's, you know, she's great about keeping, keeping tabs and, and making sure I'm taking care of myself. And, and hopefully I'm, hopefully I'm great at about doing the reverse. Um, <laughs> but, uh, if you take care of yourself, then you're going to be better, better. Yeah. You're going to be better, uh, mentally physically and emotionally. And if you're better in those realms and others, you're going to be able to take care of your people in a better way. If you don't take care of yourself, then you're going to fall apart. The wheels are going to come off and then you're not going to be the leader that they want you to be, that they need you to be. Yeah. So. No, this is, th this is geeking me out even more. Well, this reminds me of our conversation. We just, I, John, I think I was, it was before you got on, Teresa, we interviewed a New York Times bestseller, bestselling author named Liz Wiseman. And she wrote a, a, a very pivotal book. Matter of fact, she, she um, meets with Carol Dweck a lot on, on, on the mindset stuff too. But um, it's, it's amazing because she wrote a book called Multipliers. And you folks are multipliers. I've heard her speak. Yes, yeah. she's fantastic. Yeah. And, and just hearing what you folks do, you folks are creating other multipliers, how to think like a multiplier, meaning, basically meaning you take care of yourself, you help people, you challenge people to do their best. You don't micromanage and everything like that. Uh, they, they call them those diminishers. You're taking those diminisher tendencies and chuck them out the window and making sure that as they focus on themselves, they really go, go, go. And that's another segue into an acronym that you have, Teresa, that I, again, I was just, where, why haven't I heard of these folks before? <laughs> and that, that was your acronym of love right oh, self-love yeah yeah uh -huh. yeah yeah that's a well so the acronym of self-love is this is when I did my um first not my last uh -huh. TEDx talk uh it was like six weeks after I gave birth to my first kid and I mean I was in like the fog of baby, not the fog of war, but like the fog of baby where I was like, where am I? What day is it? Who am I? You know? And it was just so overwhelming, but I was, I had committed to doing this TED talk and you can't, you, you have to memorize your talks. And so mm -hmm. I came up with an acronym to help me remember the talk. And that's where, and, and so that's the, the love, principles is what I came up with, which is, you know, I still talk about it to this day yeah. and it's still the, 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 some of the letters in terms of what they mean are different. Mm -hmm. Like 
lead you the else uh is lead you first right like we just spoke about you have to lead learn to lead yourself before you can lead others and i learned that the hard way i was very very good at helping other people and i still am very good at helping other people but i'm can keep myself in check more right i know i when i'm starting to like feel really exhausted or more overwhelmed that's when i need to check in and as long as i keep up with these practices that we teach, right? Um, practice what you preach. Like that's important to me. Uh, I'm okay. But lead you first is a big one. The O stands for oxygen. Like literally not, thankfully we do all breathe, right? Mm -hmm. That's great. It's all in, involuntary, but to be able to breathe more efficiently and to think about the nutrients oxygen gives you, like you're literally your red blood cells, like mm -hmm. your cells, your brain like is very effective. It can pull out emotions. Like we just experienced on our retreat, like different ways of breathing. Um, and so not undermining the gift of breath yeah. and like the fact that we do breathe involuntarily and we can make our breath better. Uh, and then the V is vulnerability and how mm -hmm. powerful that is. If you just like look at anything that Brene Brown talks about, you know, it's, there's, there's no shame and vulnerability. It's like, being able to be able to share with your loved ones how you feel and what's coming up for you and your 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 journey and be able to ask for help and work with a therapist who you know could help you or knowing that you need help is just an act of vulnerability in of itself and like actually reaching out about it and then the e is it used to be endurance mindset mm -hmm. that's what i did in my ted talk but and i gave an example actually of a marine a Marine sister of mine who had stage four, like a very rare, like adrenal gland cancer. Right. And she had two sons and she just like, till the day she died, she just got up and went after it every day and would show up. And I mean, she would struggle through trainings with me and, but she would show up. And I was like, and, and she was just like, I'm, I'm here to show my kids what's possible and I'm not giving up. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I still get goosebumps thinking about mm -hmm. her and, and, um, but the, the E was at that time was enduring mindset, which she had, but it's, you know, with my education around the sciences turned into elasticity, mm. just like the fact that neuroplasticity, right. Can occur in the brain. Yeah. And John teaches about that, but like your brain can change this way of thinking that you don't like, or that doesn't serve you can change. And then elasticity, like literally your tissues, if you have chronic pain and you're having trouble with achiness or hot spots or extensibility in tissue, like it can change if you work on it. So that's the love principles. It's so cool because, all right, I, I, this is going to be a constant geek out talking with you folks. I'm just going <laughs> to let you know that. Because John, I, I, I know that you, you, you grew up in South Africa, which actually blows my mind. Did. And I'm a rugby coach. Uh, oh, so yeah. I, we're, we're, I, uh, right now we're, we're coaching the girls. There's the head coach. And then I'm, I'm one of the coaches there for conditioning. And it's amazing because everything that you just explained there, when I see when they become effective, they apply every one of those, those principles. And every time that there's a struggle, there's something that, that is related to what you folks are talking about that is not being mindful. It's, it's, it's really something that we're, we're not doing. I've learned so much from watching that team and then tying this together with what you folks are talking about. 
Yeah. I, it's just a it, it's it's just reinforcement, man. And, and watching Gary up here, I always look I look at the Gary meeting because he always has this <laughs> smile going on over there. But I don't. Well, the, well, the cool thing about what what you're talking about, and I think this is something where Western philosophy or Western medicine, I think that's where we've historically just failed, is being able to to actually not silo us into systems or whatever it might be. You guys are the prime example for me. Of when you when you say mindful and movement, bringing those two together, in a lot of ways, that's kind of an Eastern philosophy is what 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 I think of. But when you when you can take both of those and meld them together, yeah, great things can happen. And I'm a huge believer that you know the the mind follows the body and the body follows the mind. Right. And if you ignore either side of that equation, you're destined to be ill you're destined to be sick. <laughs> so it's exciting to see how you guys have come together and what you've been able to accomplish by bringing kind of those two sides together. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely Teresa's brainchild that, you know, she reached out, uh, <laughs> what, I guess, I guess about two years ago now and was like, Hey, I think we could do something together. And I was, it was, it, for me, it, it was a leap. I was like, what are we going to do where, but now, now that we've been doing it for so long, I was like, of course, this makes sense. So I'm very thankful for Teresa and her forward thinking. Um, but you know, I, I do have to give credit to to Western medicine in in emergencies, right? A, a lot of a lot of things that uh, if there if there's a critical need, Western medicine is pretty amazing. Like Western medicine has has saved my my child's life. Western medicine has ha- uh, saved my my brother in law's life. Western medicine has saved many many lives. Um, but I will also say that Western medicine, I don't believe is best in long-term um, care most of the time. And that's where what what we are teaching, and, and yes, it's typically looked at as, as some type of Eastern healing, Eastern medicine, if you will. I, I believe what we are teaching is better for the long-term, better for the brain, better for the body, better for the heart. Um, you know, getting out and walking, like Teresa talks about getting motion is lotion. Sorry, I totally stole your thunder there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, getting out and walking uh, is, is great for the body, right? Obviously, we know that, but it's also great for the mind getting out and looking at the trees, listening to the leaves blowing, looking at the sun, taking in that vitamin D. Um, you know, there's, there's so much goodness that is out there that we're not using, um, in, in Western medicine. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You say that's one thing I noticed. I did a, me and my wife did a tour of China probably about 10 years ago and just walking through the parks and seeing everyone doing their Tai Chi and exercises and everything else is, I think you, you, you actually just kind of clarified something that I've never been able to really put my my thumb on. And in a sense, what we do a really good job of fixing broken people. I'm going to rephrase what you said. Um, but we tend to fail on preventative and just, and just living a good life, like right. teaching, yeah. giving people the tools to feel good and be happy. Right. You know, we, we kind of, we do, like I said, we do a great job. You come in and you're broken. We'll patch you up and send you back out. <laughs> right, right. But, but at the same time, let's let's fix people before they get to that point. Yeah, you know, because yeah, a lot it, of it, a lot of these broken people, it is mental issues, and you know, 
Right. And, and, you know, focusing on what makes you happy too. Right. So, yes. uh, in, in, in the West, typically, uh, what people use as a, as a metric for their happiness is their level of success yes. and, and, and what yes. is success, uh, uh, you know, money, cars, a nice house. That's a lot of, and, and Hey, don't, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against money <laughs> and a nice car and a nice house. I, I love all that. But that's not how I define success. I, I define success as as a father, as a husband, you know, uh, and and what level of fulfillment I get out of that. I mean, I don't know who said it, but I, I've heard it said that you know, no level of success is going to outweigh the the failures in your home. Yep. And that's that's typically where hey, we're gonna find the next promotion. We're going to get that new car. We're going to get that new, uh, you know, new raise. Maybe we're going to win the lottery and we're going to think, Oh man, now I'm going to be happy. No, you're not. No, no you're not. Yeah. You got to find something else to, to find your happiness, something else to base your happiness off of and to continue to work on. And typically that's not the stuff outside of our homes. Typically it's something inside your homes or even further inside, inside your heart. And that's, that's what people need to really start focusing on. And that's, that's another confusion that the West has is it's not, it's not the outside things. It's the inside, whether that's inside your home or inside your heart. Well said. That that is such a big deal. We were, we were speaking with Sean Covey. um, Oh, nice. Yes. And he, he was talking about, we were, we got into this conversation about a foundation that he, he, he did. I, I was driving past uh, near where he lived in, in Utah. And I saw this, this horse center and it went from seven habits for highly effective kids, seven habits for highly effective people to what his, his real passion is. And what it is, is an, is a place where they bring all these young women in to deal with mental health by helping horses. Nice. And what he he then went on to say absolutely floored me because I have two daughters myself, and that is one in three um, girls has a, some type of mental health or, or mental or emotional health um, uh, thing that they're dealing with, and I thought no way, no way. And then subsequently, almost Gary, how what would you say about ninety percent of our subsequent guests brought up mental health in some form or another. And when it goes right down to it, you're right. There was so much of this stuff that you folks already talked about that there's things outside of their selves that they're trying to, to overcome. They're defining themselves by external success. Right. And so, but, and you know, social media has just compounded that oh effect. Oh my goodness. You know, compare, <laughs> it used to be where we would compare ourselves to the Joneses next door. And now we're comparing ourselves to the entire globe uh, at, at, the, at the same time. And, and there's no way you can get around that. Hey, you post something and yeah. one day you get, you know, a hundred likes or whatever. And you're like, Oh man, I am, I am a hundred percent relevant. I am successful. And then the next day you post something and you get nothing and then you feel irrelevant. Yeah. And I think that's where, that's where a big piece of our mental health challenges come from is from social media and the fact of feeling relevant one day and feeling completely irrelevant the very next oh that sums it up so well man well and it, it also it's also isolating us we're 100%. doing this all virtually we're doing it you know which is we're we're a, a communal species we need people we need each other you yeah. know i mean there's so many good things that have happened you know with social media and with sure. the internet, but that is definitely one of the fails is 
you know, I, I, I literally tell my kids sometimes, I have a teenage son, I'm like, just just go out and get trouble. Go get in trouble. I don't care. <laughs> just, just get out of here. Go do something, you know? <laughs> so I got your back. I'll pay the bond, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. good. Cole, I hope you're not listening to this. <laughs> That's funny. Well, if I may, and you tell me if this is off limits, because I just it's just a, a question, because I, I, again, reading your stories, there were, were there were bouts with the PTSD um, with this. And, and John, especially on the survivor's guilt, I, I had no operation. There was a, I, a no idea that there was an attachment to oper- operation with Red Wings there. And then, and then depression, though the level of intensity that you folks saw things, I can, again, I can only imagine. I can't, I mean, the movies don't do it justice. Um, the closest I've ever come, I'm a 9-11 survivor. So that's, that's, that's about as close as I have ever seen it. But you saw that on a day-to-day basis, both of you in some form or another. How was it that you folks started to see what it would take to, I want to go back to what Pam said, to that identity reconstruction that put you in that place where now you're, it's obvious that you've overcome it, but I'm wondering if you could, you you wouldn't mind sharing some of that so that we could see it's, it's if you folks could do it, like <laughs> you want, anyone could potentially pull that off, right? Uh, anyway, that's where I'm coming from. And that's off limits. I, I completely understand. I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> well, John, you want to start? Oh, I was going to let you. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> okay. Um, taking the coat off for this one. Okay. Um, well, yeah, you know, the, the term, so this is something that the term identity reconstruction in a way is, you know, I, I, I think coming from the work we do, it's, a way, and I've had to rephrase this in my own mind, is that actually I'm, I've been there all along. Mm. I'm, I've shifted my behaviors. I've chosen to change, but I think um, Gretchen Evans, right, shared this in a presentation she gave. She's like, what lies within us is much greater and stronger than what lies ahead of us or what we're up against. And, um, you know, I think when, if you think of us as this little being, you know, our heart is our center and we go through life and we've been impacted by loss or like for me, I've, you know, I lost a parent at a young, my mother at a young age. Mm-hmm. I literally, you know, saw her pass away in front of me mm-hmm. for, over the course of four years, right. It was there with her every day. Don't even remember if I went to school or not, or my grade, I know my grades weren't great. Um, and I don't even remember what my brothers did during that time, but you know, I grew up in this like chronic stress state, which I think depending on where you grew up, maybe that's um, other kids or other people can relate to that, but it was just chronic stress of loss. And then also performance. There was this other aspect of my life, not only dealing with loss, but just performance as I got attention from being a really good athlete Mm -hmm. and that fed my self-esteem. And if I didn't, and I even like read a quote by Michael Jordan about society only notices winners. I mean, he was, you know, saying that in terms of, you know, it was, he said that in a supplement magazine, like what is a 10 year old doing reading a supplement magazine, (laughs) but I was, so it it will shed light on the household I grew up in, which was very loving, but also there's a lot of tough love. Um, And so, but yeah, like I took that on and was like, okay, well, 
if I'm going to be good enough and loved, I better do well in school and in sports. And so that's the trajectory I put myself on. And, and that was, as you can imagine, like a roller coaster, every time I won or lost, it was like this roller coaster of emotions. And, um, but my, who I was, was still in there. It was just every one and loss, like took me further away from knowing who I was. And, and so, you know, that took me into, you know, my late teens and twenties. And I ended up developing a mental health condition and eating disorder, but could have been anything else. Just addiction is addiction. It's just, that's how I coped with some of the stressors I was up against. And it, it, again, those, I chose to cope in those ways because I didn't, I lost sight of who I was Mm -hmm. and everything was reliant on what my commander would tell me who I was on a fit rep or what my Marines thought of me or how I did in this game or that game or my boyfriend at the time, whatever. And, um, versus like really diving deep first and getting to know who I was and, and leading from that place. I led from a place of what other people thought of me, Mm. which didn't necessarily, you know, I still treated people on the outside would say, you're a great leader, did a good job. Like, Mm. right. But, um, I was all over the place emotionally. It was like fighting a battle that was unseen, which to be honest, most of us are right. Mm. John actually shares this in his talks. Like either you you're about to take a hard hit in life. You're either going through one or you just went through one. And so when I, started to, you know, I, I was able to recover from the eating disorder. Right. But I'm always kind of in remission there and then started a business. Like all of this same stuff actually came up again for me of like Mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, not being able to cope with the wands and losses and rejections and successes. And that's when I started to like learn to ground myself with this mindfulness and meditation. And that like literally the human being that taught it to me, it was like, you're getting to know yourself at the deepest level of who you are. Like you're spending time with who you are yeah. and to, the meditation is getting you there. It's allowing you to, to be with yourself minus all of the thinking mind, which is basically this just DJ that won't shut up. <laughs> right. And so to teach him how to shut up is her to shut up is actually a good thing. Um <laughs> But, you know, like learning skills, like I am not who I say, I am not my, what I think, right? Knowing that the majority of my thoughts are negative or biased um, is actually really helpful to know because then when I tell myself I'm an idiot, I know I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. I know that's not true. Or if someone says something about me based on what I wrote on social media, right? Or whatever. Okay. That's their stuff. You know, like I don't need to take that on. So this skill has brought me closer to who I am. Mm -hmm. And I've got, I I lead from a place of my heart and mind versus like what everyone else thinks of me. And I think the world needs to hear that. You know, young women need to hear that. I want to teach my kids this because the world is a tough place. It's amazing, but it's a tough place. So that's my spiel. That's, that's, that's freaking awesome. I love it. <laughs> well, I, I think it's really cool that you we you say identity reconstruction, but yet you have to balance that between the the constant of who you are. And I really appreciate yeah. that. You're you're in there all along. It's just 
how are you, how are you, are you spending, able to spend time with yourself and to get to know you and to bring out who you are versus what you think everyone else thinks you need to be? I think we, John and I just read a book called Think Like a Monk. (laughs) (laughs) And um, anyway, it's, there's this quote in there. I don't know if I'm going to say it right, but like, we are who we think others think we are. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's interesting. I am, I am not what I think I am, and I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. That's awesome. That's so true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And when you really think about that, you're like, wow, yes. And the more you can, just knowing that is helpful because, okay, regardless of what you guys think of me or anyone else, like I know who I am. Yeah. I mean, it would still hurt if you're like, yeah, you're a big D bag or, you know, <laughs> or, like I still know I'm, I'm okay who I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love your candor. I do. I just love your candor. <laughs> oh man. Well, how about, John, how about yourself? Yeah. Uh, well, man, I got so enthralled in listening to Teresa. I kind of forgot where I was going to go. Uh, so let me, uh, let me just, un- okay. So for for me, um, getting to where um, I can live with what live with who I am and live with what I've seen and done or haven't done. Um, sometimes there's guilt in not having done something, not having done enough. And I know that's that's the flip side of a coin for post traumatic stress. Is there's there are soldiers, sailors, airmen, marine, coast guardsmen that feel as though their friends did more than they did and they didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is that, that side of that. Um, so anyway, I think what has helped me to get through that and it sounds kind of trite, but is, is on the, the end of saving private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they're on the bridge and Tom Hanks grabs private Ryan and he says, earn this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I feel that, that, identity reconstruction, if you will, is me changing the perspective of why am I alive when my buddies died in, in operations, red wing operation, red wings, um, to, I am alive because of what they did right now. It it may, and that may be a stretch. I mean, in that particular operation, but they, they have helped to serve and protect and defend our way of freedom and i have the life that i have because of them and people like them that have given and paid the ultimate sacrifice and so now rather than feeling this guilt i feel i have to earn this and now i'm doing that through the work that teresa and i do in in paying it forward Uh, and again that that may sound may sound trite but for me it's a it's a way of coping and uh and i think a way of continuing to serve and give back. So uh, that's, that's what helps me. Man, I, I will say this, I'm going to add something onto this too, is what it, it's, it's constantly earned you folks. I'm thinking you two um, and everyone that's alive every day for the freedoms that you've offered us. Yes. There are sacrifices made from, from the lives given. And that's again, an ultimate sacrifice, but I look at what everyone uh, that did, that came back and the things that they have taught me and the things I know that they've given 
I, I look at my dad too. He was, he was all the way till he, he, he wouldn't talk, talk about his war wounds and such. He told his friends to everything. <laughs> That's how we, how I found out about the battle of the bull. I had no idea he was there. We needed a podcast back then. That's, yeah. that's the joke. It's, it's, it's how, how do you get a man to talk about himself? Get him on a podcast. <laughs> but that's it. I, I just thank you for everything that you've done. I I, I wanted to, to definitely say that because it, it definitely doesn't negate anything that you did or didn't do, either of you, because uh, I'm enjoying where I'm living right now because of everything that you folks have have put on the line so can't well and and that falls on us is now what can we do to earn that yes you know? yes i would 100 percent agree yep just as much as that's relevant to you that's relevant to us as well so thank you yeah oh thank you i appreciate that uh, I know, this is I know and that's not trite that is not no, trite at not trite at all <laughs> No, I, I don't even know what to say because it, it's it's just an honor to, I, I know I've repeated myself over and over in that, but it truly is. And um, I was tickled, for lack of a better word, when you folks said yes. I go, <laughs> <laughs> because you're doing so so much. And and I want to thank you once again for, for making the time today. Thanks yeah, for having us. Thank you. you Thanks for your it. energy. Yeah. I mean, that's indeed. a big part indeed. of it too is... <laughs> You're, you're also giving back by doing this work and sharing messages and living your life and helping other people, you know, like that's, that's how you're giving back too, which I, I appreciate. We, we, we will definitely take that validation. <laughs> take it. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Well, it. stay on for a second right afterward. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. But thank you. Big you're welcome. Time. Thank, thank you. Guys. you. Thank you.